0: Welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal on the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hi everyone, it's Amara, and today on Streams of Progress, I'm joined by Shazan Amiji, the co-founder of Beam Wallet. During the discussion, we covered his insights into mobile payments, cryptocurrencies, and the potential of blockchain. So join us as we dive into the conversation. Today, we're sitting down with Shazan Amiji, the co-founder of Beam Wallet. Thanks for hosting me in your home.
1: No problem. Welcome.
0: So if you could just let our listeners know a bit about your background and uh, who you are.
1: Okay. I grew up in Dubai. Uh, My family has been here now. 40 years, 42 years. So I went to school here. I went to Dubai College. Um, uh, Then I went to university in England. I worked in Asia, I worked in America, went to graduate school in the US, and I moved back to uh, work in the family business in 2000, 2001. And uh, so I kind of did a bunch of stuff outside, and I came home in two thousand two thousand and one. So I left when I was eighteen, and I came back when I was twenty eight.
0: What kind of work? What like what kind of background was the work uh, okay. that you so were doing? so I,
1: I was uh, I worked um, I worked for Standard Chartered in investment banking in Asia, and then I worked for Goldman Sachs in uh, in America, in New York and San Francisco.
0: While you were doing your graduate. Uh, so uh
1: before graduate school and then for a year after graduate school um and then uh and then the tech so I moved to San Francisco in 2001 and then the tech 2000 and then the tech bubble exploded and uh you know it was a bloodbath and uh I spoke to my dad and my dad said why don't you come home and uh I said sure I'll come home Dubai seemed like a interesting place to come home to at the time you know we didn't have um you know at the time they were still they had just launched the freehold property law in the uae at that time and it was just the we were at the beginning of this what uh, we see today what, what was this, like this explosion explosive growth faith that we see, we're kind of we've kind of been through on, on the last 17 years
0: and that was uh so your first exposure was actually the the bubble bursting the, 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 tech fu- bubble.
1: the, the first expo- the, so the first exposure after business school was the tech bubble bursting and then you come back here and then the, another bubble was being created so it seems to be that uh, you, know, <laughs> you move around the world from one bubble
0: to another <laughs> well that's a story of yeah economics. well
1: I, I think at the moment we're in this crypto bubble as well which is an interesting phase so uh you know it's uh, it's definitely interesting to see where where that goes because unlike uh you know Unlike other bubbles, I think the crypto blockchain bubble is actually about a fundamental shift in terms of how business is done and um, unlocking business models in a new uh, allowing people to do things in ways they couldn't have done previously and I think it will you know people talk about this bubble but I, I in my when i look at the opportunities today especially around the blockchain
0: yeah from the technology from perspective from the technology perspective it's the bubble we talk about is usually the a currency they're, they're, but I'm,
1: i but i when you when you look past that and you know the problem is also and i mean i know we're talking about something else here but the problem is the mainstream press today you know when you read the wall street journal or the financial times there is such a lack of understanding about what the platform is that there's a degree of ignorance even amongst you know you know you would have thought the most sophisticated you know media out there the wall street journal and the financial times but when i read i've stopped reading them when they talk about crypto and blockchain because i find they don't de- they don't understand the nuances in terms of in terms of what's happening in that market today
0: yeah so, I, I feel like they always play with the, what they're used to the speculation about a currency. So, so you've, to you've got about. to
1: re- you've got to realize what the interesting thing is that the the you know what 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 i have you know i've, I've been spending a lot of time looking at the blockchain and talking to a lot of people in the crypto community and the problem is that everyone in the status quo the crypto blockchain will disrupt the status quo and nothing more epitomizes the status quo than the wall street journal of the financial times right so you're talking about something which is so completely alien to them and it will disrupt everyone in their ecosystem and you know they will be in you know I I think in the foreseeable future, there will be two parallel financial systems. They will be the the conventional system, the relics. The relics. Well, I wouldn't call it relics. I would say, I would say that the financial system that we know today, and there will be a whole parallel financial system that's built on blockchain, and people will choose where they want to live, and they will choose how to move between the two. Yeah. Do
0: you want a decentralized system? Do you want a centralized? You know, Do interestingly,
1: you, want- you know, Marad, when I um, so I'm I'm, meeting, I, so I'm I'm meeting a lot of guys in the blockchain crypto world today, right? And when you meet with them, a lot of these guys actually are driven by um, a political agenda rather than an economic agenda they don 't want informa- they don 't want to be controlled by large monolithic organizations they don 't want inter- information and data to be centrally held by one large organization that can dictate you know it 's almost like a reaction to Big brother yeah. and so when they talk about the, a decentralized organization or a decentralized database it's more driven by a political or a view a a view on what should it's almost driven by an idealistic element that all information should be available for everybody and accessed there should be no one that should control access to information and it should be there should be a full access and full transparency in terms of the process. And it's interesting that most of these guys, if you look at a lot of the crypto guys, most of them have come out. So we're dealing with some crypto guys, blockchain guys, and they, they've they come out of the anarchist tradition. They're almost Marxist and they're anarchist in terms of they want to destroy the status quo. And they you know, this economic benefit that they're having at the moment is kind of... Immaterial to them because they have a larger. They're driving a yeah, larger. The vision agenda. is
0: something else, yeah, so very yeah, different than what we hear about. That's very Journal different. Or,
1: very different. You know this. You know, block Bitcoin at twenty thousand is immaterial to them. You know, and it's really interesting that they that they have a comp- they have a social agenda rather than an economic agenda.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's why we also see some governments are starting to understand the potential of it. And they're I, like dude, I trying think
1: to play yeah, with it. I, I, I don't think, I think they'll go into this kicking and screaming. <laughs> I, think, I think that you know, the level of disruption, you know, what will be interesting over the next six or 12 months, you'll see the disruptors disrupted. Um, and you will see, for example, look at PayPal, right? PayPal has come in and disrupted, and, and it's disrupting the, 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 um, the, the payment infrastructure. In the next six to 12 months, people will be disrupting PayPal. You'll, you'll see that that will happen. And so, the uh, but for an incumbent, you know, you've got you've got two threats. You've got you've got a guy who's coming at you from one angle, and then you've got these new guys coming out of the left field who have got to come at you from a completely different angle.
0: Yeah, it's not the, the something you can counter with you, what you have in no, place. No,
1: no, 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 it, it, it's really fascinating. You're going to see disruption, and 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 the, and when I look at the world today, and especially when we look at Being technology business with Beam is that we're looking at that our business will be disrupted. We've been disrupting the payment ecosystem in this market and other markets. But if we don't get on to the block and understand the potential of the blockchain, then we're going to be disrupted by these new people coming at it from a different angle. And it's a fascinating time right now because the level of change and the level of innovation is accelerating exponentially. And I think what we're seeing right now in terms of, and what's interesting today, is that um, that you know people talk about Bitcoin being as revolutionary. Today there are stuff. For example, there's a company called Stella. Have you heard of Stella? Oh, no. So you should you should look at Stella. So Stella basically has taken the blockchain that Bitcoin is built on and basically improved it. And then now, so Bitcoin has, so the blockchain that Bitcoin is built on has a couple of challenges. Firstly, about transaction speed and transaction cost. Right? Problem with blockchain, the the, the blockchain that Bitcoin is built on is that um, because the volume is increasing but there's a capacity constraint so transaction time is slowing down okay and also more importantly because there's capacity constraint the cost of processing a transaction is increasing right so that, that issues challenges, especially if you want to use a blockchain to process transactions. For example, today, you could never process a credit card transaction on the blockchain that it Bitcoin... It would take forever. <laughs> it would take forever, and it would cost a lot of money. And it, there's no fixed cost in terms of how much it will cost. So, but Stella, so Stella have basically... They've, they've taken the Bitcoin blockchain and said, how do we make this better? Uh, and basically, I, I mean, I can... It's, it's a little more nuanced in terms of what they've done but basically what they've done is that on on the stellar protocol they're guaranteeing a two-second p- transaction time okay so that they pro- the guarantee
0: so they're doing consensus in two seconds Bravo. or they have some it's way it's called to...
1: a federated byzantine agreement so it's so it's called the, the stellar consensus protocol but it's really fascinating on what they've how they've switched around the uh the consensus requirement, okay? So they're basically saying that we'll give you an SLA of two-second transaction processing time. And more importantly, you know, in most other things, in most other businesses, more economics, as volume increases, price decreases, right? But on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain, as volume increases, price is also increasing, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So, But what they've done with the Stellar consensus protocol, they've basically said, as you process more transactions, the cost in Stellar units called lumens XLM as the ticker will decrease as a percentage. So, as volume increase, they've said to you, so basically they're, they're addressing both challenges of the Bitcoin protocol blo- blockchain. So, they're guaranteeing a transaction time, and also they're saying as you process more transactions, it's not going gonna- to cost you more. So, so, what we're seeing today. Um, Should we have
0: a disclaimer, by the way? do you, Have you invested in... I, in I
1: have 100% invested. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 100% long in, uh, in Stella. So you can buy the currency, Lumens. So Lumens is a utility token. Um, but, um, you know, you're going to... But what I'm seeing is that this... But what's the fascinating thing about this stuff, Verard, is that this stuff is happening so fast. These guys have seen the problem with Bitcoin... Three months later they're out with this new platform and you're going to see more and more transactions and more and more platforms where the, the the people are taking the basic elements of block of the blockchain and improving it and tweaking it to make it applicable and scalable.
0: I was looking into IOTA. Yep. You IOTA? Sure. They use something called tangling to do sure. their consensus. Sure. So, so everyone's trying to this, or at least improve upon sure. the essentials that you know, that, the initial that, blockchain. That's right.
1: But, you know, but again, but this, this whole principle about having full transparency and visibility information is what's driving a lot of this stuff, which is cool. You know, because, you know, today a lot of incumbents make money. They, they cause friction in the system. For example, Visa and MasterCard, they are friction. They sit between... They sit as a clearinghouse between people who want to spend money and receive money, and they charge their fee. Yeah, they're the minimum. They they are, and there's no reason, and they they don't.
0: There's no reason today. There's no reason for them
1: to exist today. So you're going to see that all the business models which rely on friction are going to get, uh, uh, basically, pardon my French, screwed. And that applies to the traditional financial system. Applies to all this stuff because you're going to see all these guys that sit as middlemen. Because there are two trends, right? And I've kind of thought about this, and I've kind of firstly, people have lost faith in the ability of governments to manage economies responsibly. That people think of polit- politicians will make decisions which are short term expedient for them, not in terms of what's in the best interest for the greatest number. So, firstly, and since the GFC in 2008 and the res- government's successive responses to, to, to policy responses to the GFC, people have lost faith in the ability of governments to manage the economy responsibly. Secondly, also as a function of the GFC in 2008, 2009, people have lost complete confidence in the financial system as it currently stands, in large banks and the status quo. And so when you put these two trends together and you combine that with the technology that's coming on the other side, I'm not surprised that Bitcoin's at 15,000 or 16,000. It's going to be at 100,000. You know, Ethereum is going to be at 10,000. Because, you know, um, there's a very, uh, a very interesting quote that I read the other day that nothing is more powerful than an idea whose time has come. That's something that I, I kind of has made me think. And secondly... Another quote that I read, "A revolution always takes longer to get started than you think, but once it gets started, it happens faster than you think so I think we 're kind of there today
0: yeah i mean it 's not like overnight it actually was two thousand and ten no no
1: this guy's, this stuff has been around for a long time Erad. you know it 's a combination of technology, applications, people building on it, and also people being receptive to the idea that this is a vision of Embracing of what that uh, of what the techno- the vision the technology unlocks and allows you to do I think that that's that's the key where we are today and I think we're we're at that point we're we are we are at we are at that inflection point I mean I'm as excited about blockchain and crypto today the more and more time I spend and talk and understand and look at the space the more and more I'm kind of said wow this stuff is game changing on a whole new level, especially for the financial for the movement of value. That really is going to it's going to unlock all sorts of interesting things to
0: do. And and that's coming from you, where this is actually going to disrupt the business you you the industry you that, are actually that's, working that's in. That's right.
1: That's right. Unless we do it today, so we're going to. We're, I mean, we're looking at how we can refactor our business in order to make sure that we are not disrupted against. And making sure that if we're doing the, you know, it's always that incumbent's dilemma. Rather, you'd rather disrupt yourself rather than someone else do it. So that's where we're at today. And I mean, we're not, we're like, you know,
0: I mean, it's. I mean, but you're excited about it, and that's what's interesting. The, from yeah, yeah that, because, you know, entrepreneurial perspective. Because it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating because I don't look, you know, in disruption, there are the, there's a threat, in the, but also the flip side is the opportunity. And all I can see today is the opportunity. Yeah. You know, uh, and I could only see upside today. And so that's the interesting thing.
0: Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I want to <laughs> rewind a bit. <laughs> we started going off about. <laughs> Which is great. It's more the the future yeah. and what's next. Yeah, I want to just rewind a bit sure. and go a bit about your background because sure. you're known for successfully starting and exiting Seven Days. Yeah, yeah. So if you can just tell us a bit about how that venture started. Yep. and when did that start?
1: Okay, all right. Um, so that was 2004. Um, that was uh, it seems like a lifetime. Many lifetimes ago, but it was, you know, 13 years ago. So um, Seven Days was a weekly newspaper first. And, um, and uh, uh, it was started by a guy called Ashley Northcote, who was a friend of mine. And uh, he needed... He had a vision to take this business daily. And also... But he didn't have a license and he didn't have any money. <laughs> so it, so it's a bit of a challenge at that point. <laughs> um, and so... Um, uh, I helped him. I put some money into the business. Um, and then we helped him get a daily newspaper license. And we went daily in um, December 2005. December. No, sorry. Yeah, December 2004 um, is when we went daily. As in, uh, as, uh, and it was the first free tabloid newspaper in the Middle East, at that time. Yeah,
0: that's what I wanted to come back to. Yeah. It was the first for what it was. Yeah. How was the process in terms of? You said you went and got a license for like. Yeah. I, so I, I would imagine at that time it, no, it was a bit more hectic. Yeah, the Regulation. was. Work. Yeah,
1: it was. Um, so the so newspaper licenses at the time, or, well, still, um, are very tightly controlled. So the only. In order to approve a news newspaper license, it needs the approval of the uh, prime minister and the UAE cabinet. Okay, so it needs to go to the the full cabinet of ministers to get an approval on a newspaper license. Um, and so we were able to uh, to we our partner um, was. Sh- Sheikh Sultan bin Khalifa bin Zayed Al Nahyan, who is the uh, son of the president of the UAE and a special uh, a minister, his special advisor to the president, and uh, and we had a partnership arrangement with him, and obviously through his relationships and through his 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 status and his reputation, he was able to get a newspaper license for seven days. And uh, and this was in uh, in 2004, and so it was um, it was not an easy process, um, and it was something which uh, was a low probability of success, but we were lucky, and obviously Sheikh Sultan is a, you know super influential respected individual, so they wouldn't give it they wouldn't give it to me, yeah. um, so you know having someone like that. And without his support, we couldn't, have, we couldn't have launched a newspaper. It was, you know, he, he was critical in the whole process.
0: So after Seven Days, or actually even before you exited Seven Days, you no. started Beam? No, no. What was the process? So
1: there was another startup in between. Oh, okay. uh, there was a company called Eco Ventures in between uh, that was um, helping companies manage um, reduce and offset their greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. Yeah, it was an interesting business. And it was to do with uh, carbon credits. There was a time when the Kyoto Protocol was, uh, was, was a very, uh, when it was, there was a mechanism that the United Nations and the Kyoto Protocol had set up helping com- companies in uh, developing countries and even in developed countries. Um, Monetize their efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah,
0: it was an incentive system incentive through scheme. the carbon credits. Correct, credit.
1: carbon credits incentive scheme, and you could use those. And there was a uh, in the European Union at the time. There's something called the European Union Emissions Trading Scheme, where they where there was a cap on the amount of um, carbon credits that energy intensive businesses can produce yeah. and so basically so they, they, had to to d- they had to offset they yeah. had to offset de- there was a demand yeah. for those credits
0: so this was actually based here in the yeah. UAE or yeah yeah okay. yeah,
1: yeah it was uh, it was really uh, it was an interesting time you, you know uh, you know it was something that uh, it was uh, from my the attraction for me it was it was something that um, uh, where I felt that we could do something socially responsible as well as make a living. And there are not many businesses which allow you to cross over yeah. um, in terms of doing something that I thought was the right thing to yeah. do as well as potentially, you know, lucrative from a financial perspective as well.
0: And I imagine you were one of the first in that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, cause I just, you're saying it was around the time the yeah, Kyoto yeah, it protocol. We, it, was, uh, it
1: was, it was 2008, yeah. right? So we were kind of uh, early in that space and, you know, it was uh, interesting. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. We learned a lot. Um, but, you know, what, what became obvious to us is that uh, uh, people pay lip service to doing what's environmentally responsible. But when you ask people to write you a check, they become... There's you know, a lot of talk. A lot of it? talk. Yeah. And so when, you, but when the rubber hits the road, there is a gap. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, uh, so it became obvious to us that perhaps this is not the right part of the world in order to do something like that, and perhaps we should do look look at other things. So it was it was interesting, yeah. you know. I, I mean, you know. I didn't make money, I didn't lose money.
0: You had a team? Or yeah, yeah, I had I a, a team of okay, 10 okay. guys. Yeah, oh, okay. we were
1: doing it. Yeah, we were we kind of were looking at interesting projects that were really interesting. I mean, from an intellectual perspective, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is fascinating. Um, uh, but, you know, when it came to running a business, there was a gap. You know, when, uh, when, whenever we went in there, and, okay, so we've done, you know, we feel that there's an opportunity and are you willing to invest now to monetize the opportunity? You know, people were always gun shy. And so you know uh yet there is but this is i think this is true of most sort of social responsible stuff there is a lot of noise but when you actually kind of ask people to commit then people back
0: out i think we see that in many industries
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know after ecoventures i was unemployed again uh you know uh my wife always lo- jo- jokes that you know you're, you're not unemployed, you're unemployable, <laughs> and uh, that's probably right. Um, and uh, and so we started we started Beam in 2012.
0: And uh, so yeah, that brings us to Beam. Yeah. How did that start? Was it part of the same team out of the ten? Or no, was it no, it was uh, well,
1: team? no, it's actually a buddy. Uh, one of the guys who worked at me at EcoVentures introduced me to the guy who's my partner in Beam today. Okay. So. So you know there is a there is a link you, you know between all the stuff I've kind of done that yeah kind of, you know, oh I, even
0: Eco Ventures came from seven, seven yeah, days yeah so in a some lot the guys some...
1: who work for me Eco Ventures work for me in seven days <laughs> so so so,
0: so but I, that's you know that's the knowledge and the network and the base yeah you, you know. know
1: the problem is though you know um, and I, this is something that perhaps the startup thing is not an easy space right. And you're taking on a great deal of risk and uncertainty. And if there are ways of mitig, if you if you have a team of people that you've worked with before and they know you and you know them, you eliminate a big part of that risk and uncertainty, yeah. right? And so, you know, uh, you know, it's it always helps to have a team of people that you can go back to or rely upon, or you have you can you have access to, because you know. Th- firstly, trust is very important, you know, that sort of blind trust, because there's so much to worry about in, in, in the startup scene that you can't also be worried about who you're working with or can you try... Do you have trust? to micromanage oh, them? Micromanager, or-, or is this a trustworthy person? Or is, do I have doubts about his integrity? Because if you start, if you're having to worry about that as well, worry about starting a business, then forget it. You're screwed at that point.
0: I mean, this is actually a common threat. Like, we've interviewed different... Uh- management of different startups so far and that's the common theme we've seen with all these people they've either they knew their co-founder yeah or in some way they had worked with them on a past project yep and it, i think it comes down to exactly what you just said where you're able to focus on what's Truly important. of your, Yeah, exactly. Right. Rather Versus- than having to
1: worry about politics or this or that, because, because you're, you're past that point. Yeah. So, one of the, So for example, one of my co-founders on Beam is a guy called Nadeem Khoury. Nadeem and I have known each other for 30 years, right? So we grew up together. So, you know, our relationship is way past that point. Yeah. You know, there is...
0: If it uh, survived 30 years.
1: Yeah, yeah, if we could survive 30 years. <laughs> but, you know, there's no... Um, there's no pretense. Yeah. You know, he knows exactly what my strengths and weaknesses are. I know exactly what his strengths and weaknesses are. And you know, we, we can go to the net-net much faster. I don't have to worry about upsetting him or you know, being rude or shouting at him. You know, he can look through that because he'll say that that's just me. He knows who I am and, and, and vice versa.
0: So, did you face any obstacles when you were starting Beam? Like yeah, what, what so, again, dude, it what was regulation like, or what? what it what? was
1: insane. <laughs> it was just you know this, uh, this you know people always talk about you know I know uh, the UAE has this imp- imp- impression of being an easy place to do business and start, but you know I think that if I was I think it's pretty intimidating, you know. It's a pretty intimidating place to do business in terms of some of the regulations and some of the licensing and you know, where do you even get started? Some of it's not transparent. A lot of or it's, it's not
0: even written down at it's that point, a, point it's when it's you opaque, start. right? Yeah. A lot
1: of it is opaque. It's not a question of them restricting the regulation. It's you just don't know because it's it's not transparent. So when we started Beam you know we went to uh, all the uh, the usual suspects in terms of because we needed a payment processor to help us process because we we sit on top of the existing payment infrastructure right yeah. so we needed an acquirer and to help us settle and, and and process payments right and you know we did the usual suspects in terms of all the people and no one understood our business no Why
0: wouldn't someone need this or want? Is that they, what, they just, what was their response? They
1: just, they just didn't get it. They just didn't understand it, and they were so stuck in their in their paradigm that they weren't willing, or they, you know, the people that we weren't de- dealing with were all about risk rather than looking at the opportunity, and they were so stuck in trying to force our business into their paradigm. You know, if you they, they, they barely understood e-commerce at this point in 2011, 2012, right? Uh, and, you know, when I go in there and talking about, you know, how we want to use this <laughs> mobile phone to allow people to earn rewards and pay it a single step, they were, like, looking at me like I've got three heads. And, you know, I mean, we ran from pillar to post with all – I'm not going to name them, but you yeah. know who they are, yeah. right? You know, they're – you know, uh, and uh, and it was incredibly frustrating, and the only way we got started is that we used a European acquirer to process payments here. And, the, the, and without the support of that, that European, that German um, bank, we wouldn't have been alive here. And we had to come up with a way of reconfiguring our business model in order to make sure that we could use that European company. And because the, the incumbents in this market were completely resistant working with us.
0: Well, they—I don't think—in their defense, they didn't truly understand. Also, what they didn't understand, you're and they was, weren't uh, willing to listen. Yeah.
1: So it's a pretty deadly combination, yeah. you know. You know. Uh, you know. I mean, I always say I'm not obviously I have to be a little careful, but you know, the deadly combination is ignorance and arrogance. You know, when you put those thing, two, two, those two attributes together, it's a pretty tough place to start. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so speaking of so that, was what 2011?
1: 2013,
0: 2012, 13. 2012, 2013, and now it's four years or five yeah. years later. Four years later, four years and later. And just in the last few months, we saw Apple Pay enter the yeah, market, yeah, and then was, before that, there was what Samsung, Samsung pay, pay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, w- what is your take on them? Do, do you see them as a threat, or what? what no, do you dude, they, they,
1: they. You know, the, the, the interesting thing about these guys is that Samsung Pay and Apple Pay, Samsung and Apple don't care about payments; they care about selling more mobile phones. That's all they care about. They don't care about the money. There's no money in payments. There's no money in that ecosystem. And the way that Samsung Pay and Apple Pay are configured, they're not even capturing the user data. So they're not even doing it for data. They're not doing it for economics. They're only doing it to, f- to sell more phones. All right? Yeah. That's, that's their agenda.
0: It's got I, a, a bit of a, like a marketing feature or co- something Correct
1: or just 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 a use case to make the phone device more attractive to potential purchases of that device. So oh, I buy an iPhone because oh, I got Apple Pay as part of that device. They're not making money out of it from an economic perspective. They're not capturing any user data out, out of it either. So
0: For the merchant or-, or
1: for the merchant or the consumer. So there's the way the NFC platform is that they don't see any they don't even see that transaction today. So those two things so they're not capturing data and they're not capturing making money out of it. So they only care about selling phones. So and also the problem with the Apple Pay and Samsung Pay is there's no Incentive for you to come back and continue to pay using that platform, especially in developed markets where cash and credit card is ubiquitous. Why would I, you know, today I have to make sure that the, uh, for the Apple Pay, the NFC enabled, uh, there's an NFC enabled terminal, but a credit card can be used on any terminal, doesn't yeah. worry about NFC or not. So the, the point about it is, long, as long as they, there's no value in the system, they're going to have challenges with retention. And if you look at the Apple Pay numbers, do you know that? Uh, 95% of people stop using Apple Pay after the second transaction. That's 95% of I mean, there's people, no incentive. There's no incentive. So, you know, uh, like I said, but you've got to realize that there is, th- that Apple Pay and, and, and Samsung Pay, uh, is dr- they have another agenda, a yeah. larger agenda of, of you know, so, uh, in order to, so, you know, uh, given Apple's numbers today, I think I, I saw some economics, Because they make so little money on every payment transaction, Apple Pay, and they make so much money selling mobile phones or selling Apple products. The hardware. Hardware, whatever. You know, hardware, the App Store, whatever, right? All that sort of good stuff. If they want Apple Pay to make up 10% of Apple's current earnings, they would have to process one out of every 10 transactions in the United States. So you've got to think about it, because, the, because there's no money in payments. So just think about that again. If they want Apple Pay to make up 10% of their annual revenue, they would have to process one out of 10 in every transactions done in the United States today.
0: So, yeah, so if they only have forty percent market share, you're already asking dude, at least a quarter of all.
1: That, that it's, it's, and they would, have, they one out of ten of every ten percent of every transaction. And the problem is right now that only, say, six percent of all U.S. merchants have NFC enabled on them. Uh, to even take that, that transaction, even take that transaction. So you're looking at a huge gap. So I don't. So when I talk about Apple Pay, I said great. And in many ways, it's it gets all, people
0: used to using well, no. their phone at least. Well,
1: it, it raises awareness and it gets people. You know, all the security issues that people in mind that they're transacting their phone. My credit card is my, on my, my phone. It's on my phone, whatever. But you know, it, with Beam, your credit card detail is not even on your phone. You're more exposed on losing from a security perspective. You're more exposed losing your data on Apple Pay than you are with Beam. Because with Beam, your credit card data is stored, is tokenized. Yeah. But with Apple Pay, someone with an NFC, you know, I don't know if you've heard of these things, these RFID yeah, readers. Yeah, they can, if they you, can your phone doesn't have a, like a, a protection. Protection, guess, yeah. they can come in and scan your credit card yeah. details. I mean, that is, I, I, it's crazy.
0: If you could then enlighten our listeners with just what is Beam's unique offering?
1: It's all about demand generation. For It's all about giving people value on every transaction. So on, from a consumer perspective, you earn between 5 to 35% back on every transaction. So there is an incentive for you to... And you can use that. You earn anywhere and you can burn anywhere. And you can, you can earn, burn, and redeem in a single step. So there, we've, we've tried to really simplify the value proposition from a consumer. Earn anywhere burn anywhere, and earn, pay, and redeem in a single transaction. We work at the intersection of value and m- payments, and at the intersection of re- marketing, rewards, and payments. And that, that is a sweet spot.
0: And yeah. I imagine there's also data for the merchant as well. Th-
1: there's, a whole, there's a whole... So with the merchant, we help them do two, three things. We help them acquire new customers, retain existing customers, and reactivate lapsed customers. And basically, the merchant sets the parameters of what that means, and they define what a new customer is. They define what an existing customer is, and they define what a lapsed customer is. And then they define how much they can pay for of those they understand their lifetime value they understand their customer economics better than i do so basically we give them a platform and then what they do on that platform is at, entirely at their discretion so that is we don't dictate to the merchant because different types of merchants of sc- between scale and vertical have different economics yeah. and so you kind of give it to the merchant and let the merchant so you're providing that, the tool that's the point that beam is effectively a demand generation tool for a merchant and that is the proposition you know it's taken us a you know, four years to simplify it down. But, uh, you know, one of the things of a startup journey is actually, interestingly, it's about simplifying the value proposition over time, iteratively, because you start off with one point, but over time, making... One, the biggest learning I have is that you need to get to a simple value proposition as quickly as possible. But the problem is that you can't start off at that day one. It will take time to get there. So where we are today, you know, those two statements I met... You earn, you earn, burn, pay, and earn value on every transaction. You can earn anywhere and pay, burn anywhere for the consumer. And then helping customer, for the merchant, acquiring customers, retaining customers, and reactivating the lab customers. That's taken us three years to get to that point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so during that journey, during those three, four years, yeah. was it a few years back that uh, one of the biggest corporates here, the Alpha, Tame, the Alpha, Alpha 10, Tame, yeah. they yeah. invested into Beam? Yeah. So how did that – I don't want exact details about it, but yeah. just how did that investment come about? Did they hear about you? Did you go knocking? No, so we or? went to Carrefour. Oh, you, think, you, did, you went? We went to Carrefour. Yeah. And we said
1: – we were talking to the Carrefour guys. And the Carrefour guys said, listen, this is interesting for the group. Uh, would you talk to the group? And obviously we said yes. Yeah. So we, we, they, they were interested as a business, and then the investment discussion started. On
0: okay. Top so it was, they saw the value proposition for, for their, their business yeah.
1: first and then they said let's think about this from an investment perspective
0: and i know you have offices beyond the uae yep. as well in sweden
1: and australia so we're launching in a, so we we went we launched in sweden a year ago um, and uh, and we launched in australia 6 months ago my tech team is not based here the tech team is all in australia okay uh and uh and that's so they weren't be- able
0: to even use the product they were working <laughs> that's on. that's right that that's
1: right you know but, so we had to kind of we had to get some stores live there for them to use it and so uh so um so those are the two markets that we're currently
0: live in and we already touched upon this but how important was the team behind these ventures? like you're saying the tech teams in Australia. Like, do yeah. you know any of the team? How, how do you manage such so, a...
1: So, Sadar is my... Sadar, who's my partner, who's in charge of, you know, who's the founder of Beam, you know, yeah. the guy initially I found. He's worked with this entire team before. Okay. They've, again, they had a past venture, they or past a past project. project. They okay. were, they've know each other. They worked at the, a large Australian publishing company called Fairfax Digital. So, they... These guys, again, they've worked together. They know each other. They're known quantities. They... Understand the way they work. And so that really helps in terms of shortening the time to execute. Because today, the constraint, the, today in most businesses, the, 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 the determinant is not money, it's time. Time is the constraint. Capital can be found, but time is. The
0: and that's where we hear about all these investment firms actually bumping money. Time is against them.
1: Yeah. The last thing you want to be stuck in as a business in this land of the living dead right? Because, you know, um, you, you want to be growing fast enough. And, you know, in order to grow, if you're, if you've, if you're convinced about your platform, if you're convinced about the microeconomics, if, you consider, if you're convinced that you can make more money out of a customer than the cost you've acquired to retain that customer, then you should just throw as much money at that as fast as possible to grow as fast as
0: you can. So uh, just to wrap up the beam aspect of the story, What's in the pipeline? I mean, we, we, we talked about like... Yeah, you yeah so the p- blockchain. blockchain. No, no, man. it's all blockchain. It is, base. okay. Oh, yeah, it has
1: to be. has to be. Then that has to be today. Because, you know, if t- my, my thing today, if you're building a technology business and you're not building on the blockchain today, you're wasting your life. <laughs> That's, I fundamentally believe that. That if you, are, if you are building a technology business today and you're not incorporating blockchain or building it on a blockchain, you're wasting your time. So that's your takeaway. <laughs> that's my takeaway. Really, today, uh, Merad, if you are, I really strongly believe that. I genuinely believe that. I think that if you are not even, if you're, if you're, if you're building a platform, if you're building a technology business today, that you, you, ne- you need to make sure that you've examined what, the, the, what a blockchain can deliver or not. And you may, have, you may make, make a choice that you don't want to go down that road. That's fine.
0: But if you're not examining
1: it, you're wasting your time.
0: At least have your eyes open to what might come from someone else if you don't the problem is The it. problem
1: is that if you don't implement it, someone is going to come out of the left field and they may figure it out. Yeah. And so you kind of need to be in that space. And I, I I really think that where we are, we're, you know, in the evolution of what the blockchain, we're at like stage 0.01, what we're seeing today. You know, and, uh, you know, and we're going to see... So many fascinating things And once it on. kicks
0: in and matures, like, oh, it's going to be exponential. It's not it's going to be...
1: It's not, it's, and, and, you know, once you get, you know, once you get, um, what's interesting is that once you get large corporates understanding, you know, large corporates, if either they get on this chain, either they go on the block or they're going to be taken out. You know, you know, Visa and MasterCard have this, uh, again, in my world, because I, I know this kind of better than most, and I know this space better than most, that if they don't embrace what the block will do that they'll be out of business in 10, ten years if that you know the only thing that's keeping a lot of these businesses today is the regulation is the regulator is is that
0: that we need this that, that trusted we, that, entity that, to that's be the government. right
1: that we need this tr- exactly that and you know you take away that trust element or that I mean, it's not an
0: issue anymore. Once, well,
1: you and I, people like you and I, yeah. get that, but a lot of people out there don't get that because they think of block. They think of crypto as drug money, and <laughs> they think it's used for money laundering. And, and sure, that is, but let's just say. That uh, the co- the Colombian cartels weren't selling cocaine for uh, for crypto in the 70s and 80s, they were selling it for US dollars.
0: Yeah, and that was supposed to regulate that, it. That's right. The- <laughs> that's
1: right. You know. So you know. Let's uh, let's not. Uh, you know. I think this. I think the incumbents. I think the people who are vested in the status quo are completely. They. I think the smartest one of them get the challenge of what the blockchain, what crypto can do for them. So someone like Jamie Dimon, right? You know, that Jay Chase. J- J- Chase guy. It's obvious what he's trying to do because he can see the level of disruption that's going to come down the pipe for his business.
0: Multiple times he, he's gone on the record.
1: Of course he, but if I was his position, I'd do the same thing. I try to kill this thing before it gets root.
0: What we've kind of talked about today, though, is it's not really something you can kill. I mean, he could maybe delay, it, put put a bit of doubt in people's heads, but if the technology ends up working, and uh, which is well, well, I, don't, I think it works, no, yeah. I think I
1: think it's not a question of if, it's just a question of
0: when. Yeah. Not, so, that, so he's just delaying that's right. something that's inevitable. That's, I'll move on to just a bit about you, okay. about your personal and leadership aspects. Okay. Yeah. So how would you say your team would describe Shazan's management style? Interesting. Either the beam team or the past okay. Is there anything um, specifically unique that's your style? Energetic,
1: eccentric, uh, passionate, um, and flexible. I think th- those perhaps. And, you know, and uh, impatient I think. I
0: guess they all go together in a way. Yeah. Energetic and impatient. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that. Uh, so
0: you get excited about, let's say. Yeah, new but I don't think.
1: That, I don't think you can do what we do without being excited. I think if you're doing it without being excited, then you're wasting your life.
0: Especially when you're trying to push the boundaries with. Go do something new else. Learn do, something. Do, yeah. Go
1: do something else. Go do something that makes you excited.
0: Corporate world or something yeah, more some traditional. People, yeah. Well, so
1: go if you're not if you're not excited if you're not passionate about what you're doing then life's too short. I mean, it really is too short. And then go do something else that does excite you. So I think impatient, uh, easily irritated. So I'll, I'll give you the positive and negative, okay. right? So irritated, irritating, impatient, I think uh, would be the uh, short-tempered, I think uh, would be, um, and not very empathetic would be the negative, if I was going to describe my Man mansion style.
0: I'm Very honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there you went also down the other. Route. Well, I mean, some people uh, would just keep it at the positive. Uh, no, <laughs> or,
1: I, no. I, I, I think you need to. I think the, the. I think. Well, I think one of the things which make a really good leader to be on road is self awareness, and I think that you know the older you get, the more self aware you get. So you kind of work. Then what? What I've tried to do is that I've tried to work with people that kind of bring those attributes that I don't have to the team. So, like Nadim, my co founder, Sadar, is everything that I'm not patient, deliberate, thoughtful, you know. So, that
0: is top. a nice balance to, to your personality. You know, that, that's or?
1: right. So, I mean, I think you've got to recognize that at, at some point you recognize what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are as an individual. And then you've got to try and mitigate your weaknesses. And the only way that you can mitigate your weaknesses is by working with people that can help you.
0: So, actually, that was segueing like into my next question which was what do you look for in a par- business partner and, right. and i guess that you everything just- that i've not <laughs> <laughs> yeah speaking of the energy and all the energy is there any way you, or anything you do to recharge yourself let's say on the weekends or because no. i imagine if you're so enthusiastic during you know work yeah, that's time a, that's a problem what do you do with uh, personal time that's a problem
1: I mean that's a challenge, right? I think that if you, I think that if you are trying to find that recharge, that balance is, is not easy, um, and it's you know, and you know it takes a toll on the family because you're so you're absent to a large extent, and you know it's uh, you know, but I, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not very good at that. Uh, you know, I've tried to
0: try and. But do you have any habits you try and do like, at least? Let's say on the weekends, yeah, d- once a month.
1: You know, I'm trying to go exercise at least because I think that kind of keeps me sane to a degree, right? You know, I think some sort of outlet, some sort of physical outlet yeah. is important. That's not work. That's not work, yeah. right? It allows you to allows you to go get you know shouted at for an hour in a class or like one of those Barry's boot camp or whatever that you kind of just switch off and you kind of just. Follow someone else's instructions, and I think that that kind of helps because it's like an hour where you don't have to think. You know, someone else is thinking for you. You're, you're
0: too busy working out to be thinking. <laughs> you're,
1: too, you're too busy trying to breathe. <laughs> you're too busy trying to stay alive. <laughs> you're too busy not to throw up.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit extreme. <laughs> I was talking about recharging your energy, not <laughs> expending it. I think that 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 really is important.
1: I think generally through that. So, obviously, you know, the balance is obviously the family with Heather and the kids, right? That's another outlet. And uh, that's, that's something that's always a safe, comfort, comfortable place to be in.
0: That's nice. So, uh, who do you say was a hero of yours? Either growing up or... My dad. You know, your dad?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. why,
0: why would you...
1: Because he's just a good guy. He's just a nice man. Yeah, I like him. You know, I, I genuinely like him as a person. You know, he's very... And what I really respect about him is that he's always been no bullshit. There's, he's completely been... I may be his son, but he's going to tell me the truth. Cut straight to straight it. Straight yeah. to the net, net. He's like the most objective guy. And I want to be that way with my boys, with my kids. And uh, yeah, he's just—he's just, you know, there's no ambiguity. He will—he will not sugarcoat anything. He'll say what it's on his mind. He too, will say right? what yeah. it's on his mind, and he will tell you the harsh truth, even though you, he knows that I don't want to hear it. And uh, and having that ability, and 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 he's, you know, he's a really rational guy, and that's awesome. You know, I really respect him, and I really like him because he's just completely transparent, honest, trustworthy guy.
0: So I'll move on to what we call the rapid-fire questions, okay. which is just like uh, quick questions. You can okay. take your time answering, okay. long, short, whatever you want. Okay. So the first, uh, if there is, what book do you give most often to people?
1: Uh, so uh, the book that we gifted recently is a book by uh, a guy called Abraham Verghese. Uh, called Cutting for Stone. Um, he's a surgeon, and it's about his, his, it's almost like his autobiography of growing up. He grew up in Ethiopia. My dad grew up in Ethiopia as well. And it's his journey from, um, from working in a, in a charity hospital to working in a large hospital in the United States. And it, it's his it's The Journey. The Journey. Oh, okay. It's cool. It's a cool book. Should, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, definitely worth reading. Great. Cutting for Stone.
0: Cutting for Stone. If you could post a message on Sheikh Zayed Road, you know, our main freeway here. Yeah. What would you say? For, let's say it's up there for a month. Yeah. What would you like the people of Dubai or people passing through Dubai to see?
1: You know, I don't know how to... I, 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 I don't know the actual words, but I want people to stop being so aggressive. Dubai has become such an aggressive place. I don't know what the, the catchphrase that I would use, but the message I would try to communicate was... dude just please stop being so aggressive you know the divide that you and I grew up in was just such a nice place Merad it was just community it was people actively trying to help someone else to come up in life etc you know people were involved in other people's lives not in a intrusive way but in a in a nice way that you know that you always felt that there was Multiple homes that you can yeah. go to. It's that the, community can, the community feel. Oh, here that's, and that's it's completely that's gone. That is just it's. We're just we're just sort of disintegrating into these little pockets, and and that means people people are not linked together. That means people go get go crazy. I mean, and I'm just you know, uh, just you know, just just don't be so aggressive about everything. You know, you drive on the roads here. People are aggressive. You go to the supermarket. People are aggressive. You get off the plane here at immigration. People are aggressive. Just everyone just, just
0: That's relax. why you should use eGate.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that yeah. you know, you're waiting at the waiting at the baggage claim, and people like like wrestling you to get to the baggage claim. You know, it's just everyone should just calm down
0: a little. I, I, about the aggressive driving, though, I had some family. Over the holidays yeah. from the states, yeah. and they were commenting on why why, did, why does everyone seem to be so aggressive in their the just, driving? Th- th-
1: there's no allowance, and I think the driving the way people drive here epitomizes that. There's no there's no give. Everyone looks at a zero sum game that your gain is mu- that if you gain, I'm losing. It can't be a win win. It can't. That's 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 yeah. that whole approach. So that's I don't know what the
0: yeah, but the message comes across. Right. Okay, it'll be a bit long to <laughs> yeah. write all that. <laughs> Do you have any personal hobbies? I mean, aside from work and, let's say, family. Th- like,
1: you know, between family and work, I'm afraid, you know, there's not much I mean, much maybe time.
0: getting shouted at, but I don't know if that's a hobby. Who, who shouts at the, the, the Barry's Boot Camp. Barry's bootcamp? <laughs> I don't think it's a
1: hobby. I don't think it's a hobby. I mean, that's...
0: Is there maybe a hobby you would want to take up if you had more time? Gardening. Absolutely. Gardening, yeah. really? Okay. I think
1: gardening would be cool. I've always been thinking about gardening. I think gardening would be a cool way. Of kind of doing something. I'd like to yeah, grow something, like fruit and vegetables. I think that would be cool.
0: Interesting, yeah. Uh, this is, again, about Dubai. Is there any wish or dream initiative you can imagine Dubai implement? We always hear about these projects that they're planning you know, to do. with the, all there's the, more, needs There needs to be
1: more green space. I don't know. There needs to be some appreciation for...
0: You mean in like parks or parks, just more green, greenery in green general? parks. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, I understand, you know, you know putting through a canal through Suffolk Park. I
0: mean... Yeah, that was one of our biggest parks. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, it was the only park, right? You know, and, and I spent a lot of time in that park as a child. Yeah. And my kids have spent a lot of time in that park. And I, 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 I think that that is, uh, is important. I think that, I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I think in the rush for development, we have to find a balance.
0: So more green.
1: More places where it allows people to get together as a community.
0: And not really a commerce. It doesn't have to be commerce. It's it, more of just, just... yeah, could be. Yeah.
1: You know, more places which create a sense of community. You know, like I said, is that I think if you create this sense of community, then people... You know, d- d- look, in our time, when we grew up, we had the Hilton Beach Club, the Jumeirah Beach Club, right? That we grew up with. That was a sense of community there, you know? And since that place is gone, I don't have that sense of community anymore in the same sort of way that we had there. Remember, yeah.
0: you know, you know what I'm talking no, no, about. Exactly the, the membership. I mean, yeah. you almost felt like, like you met other people. Who it was like were, family. Exactly. It was
1: like family. So, yeah. so the one thing that I think that they need to do in Dubai is creating these places where it allows that builds a sense of community.
0: No, I, I, I definitely agree. I don't yeah. know how easy yeah. or difficult that is. No, 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 yeah, but uh, like I said, dream initially. Yes, That's uh, just putting it out there. Yeah. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Uh, Knowing what you know now, obviously.
1: 20-year-old self, don't be in such a rush. Don't be in such a rush. Whatever will be, will be. Just, you know, enjoy the process.
0: Even the hardships. Just enjoy all of them.
1: Just don't be in such a rush. Yeah. Just take it easy. Just relax. Enjoy, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the mistake. Enjoy the peaks, um, and you know, live through the troughs. But enjoy the process. And uh, yeah, and uh, make sure you make time to tell people that are important to you that they are important to you. So make sure you are you visibly and explicitly communicate with people around you that they are important to you.
0: Uh, that, that actually reminds me of uh, I don't know if you've read the blog or the comic by Tim Urban, it's Wait But Why, and he has one called The Tail End. Okay. Uh, I'll send it to you later, okay. but it's it, it kind of has that message, but he puts it in a he's got a very statistical, very fact-based mind, so okay. he actually breaks down numbers. Okay. To make you think about that. Okay. And I only came across that, let's say, a year ago. Right. And if one would read, let's say, younger people out there listening to this now, like if they were to read that and to take what you just said, that advice to heart, yeah. you would actually think about you know, maybe vocalizing, saying what, you know, what's yeah, on so your if mind. If someone is important thing, to you, yeah. tell them they're important to yeah. you.
1: Don't be afraid of saying that because yeah. it's important. For you and for the other yeah. person.
0: and the time you spend with them is... Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, don't be in a rush.
0: Great. And just... Do you have any last words of wisdom, you think, for That's people?
1: Wisdom. I anyone who knows me, Merad, will say that I don't have much wisdom. I don't know wisdom. Just... Uh, you know, one thing, that, uh, one thing that I think is important is always make sure that you're open to learn. That no matter where you get to and how you get to where you get to in your life, you, you, also, you always be, need to be receptive to new ideas or willing to le- learn from people and willing to listen. Because I don't think... If, you're clo- if you close your mind or you stop listening or you stop learning, you die. And uh, I think in the world that we live in today, you need to learn. Yeah. You're continually learning. I mean, the the cool thing I the the you know the, the, the crypto blockchain the, yeah. the most interesting thing for side is I'm learning. It's yeah. awesome. It's like learning stuff and new a new language, a new way of looking at the world.
0: So cool. you're open to learning new things you constantly. Have to. Yeah. And just uh, lastly, is there a place listeners can go to learn more about either Beam, about yourself, and
1: yeah, BeamWallet.com.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. You can check out this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash beamwallet. We'd love to connect with you, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in the UAE and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress.